we are beginning a new series today um, um, and talking to Nicole, um, who is the not going to say I'm not so much invisible, but the background behind the scenes of our ministry here. If I'm considered the face, she's considered the behind the scenes, um, but she is an equal part of this ministry here um, at True Gospel. Um, and um, as talking with her, she said that one of the things that she uh, would love to hear um, a series on is now that I'm saved, um, now what? And so this series is entitled, I'm saved, now what? Um, and what we want to do is we want to really give you an opportunity to know what, what we're doing as Christians and why we're doing it. Um, that now that God has saved us, now that God has delivered us, now that God has freed us from sin, he's given us salvation. Uh, we've repented toward him. We believe in him. What is it now that we're supposed to be doing? Um, and a lot of churches, I, I personally feel that this is a serious deficiency uh, within the body of Christ that people really don't know what to do now that they are in the um, in the in the body of believers. Um, and for a lot of our churches, not all of them, but a lot of them, this is an area where we where we fall woefully short in, in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, we relegate uh, people's relationship to God to what happens within the four walls of the church and act as if that is all that we're supposed to be doing as the body of Christ is going to church and working in church and doing in church as if that is the work of the ministry. But the work of the ministry is much bigger than just what we do from Sunday to um, from one Sunday to the next. Instead, it is a it is an active, living, everyday uh, affair of what we're doing as the body of believers, what we're what, how we're experiencing life and enjoying life and honoring God and glorifying Him and making disciples. And so, what we want to do throughout this series is we want to talk about what it is that we as the body of believers believe um, we're up to as the body of Christ. And so what we want to do today is we want to, we want to focus on, I'm good. We want to focus on, um, we want to focus on the first volume of the series being who are we now as the body of Christ? Who are we as believers? Now that I'm saved, what does this mean for me and my identity? And before we can talk about what our identity is, we first have to answer the question, which is the topic of our, of our um, message today, who has our ear? Romans 12 chapter, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two say this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Most of us 
Um, no, let me let me back up. I always say most of us. All of us are being pulled in a certain direction. And all of us are being influenced by something. All of us are being discipled by someone or something. Jesus says in, uh, in, the, um, in the word in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, um, and I'm paraphrasing, teaching them everything that I've told you. And though in yo, lo, yo and lo, ha, I am with you always, even until the end of this age. What Jesus tells us in that is that we are going to be discipled by something. Something's going to have our attention. Something's going to have our affection. Something's going to pull us in a certain direction. If we're not careful as the believers in God, we will find ourselves being influenced by things that are not godly and find ourselves being woefully deficient when it comes to the knowledge and the power of God governing and ruling in our lives. What many of us fail to understand about our walk with God is that it's not enough for us just to be saved. Even though salvation is free, and even though salvation is, um, is the ticket into heaven, and we get that upon repentance and belief, our walk with God starts there. It doesn't end there. And in order for us to really understand what it is to be a part of the kingdom of God, we have to decide, no, you can't have my microphone, baby. Uh, you can't have my microphone. So either you're going to sit here or I'm going to let you go. Um, I know, right? Um, just, just, hey, she up here. We could. Um, but what we have to understand is that when we are walking with God, we cannot just allow the, um, our, our walk with God to be just about the fact that we're saved. It's more than that. And what Christ tells us is we have to, in order for us to be like Christ, we have to understand the mind of God. We have to understand the heart of God. We have to understand what it is that we as the body of believers are in Christ because we are being influenced and governed by a multitude of things from one day to the next. If you look out into the world today, we are more so influenced by our social media presences and our influencers than we are the word of God. We, and I'm saying I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. So let's be clear. I'm not talking about people who don't have a walk with God. I'm talking about people who claim to be Christians. They are more influenced by people on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media um, platforms than they are God himself. We're more influenced by our church leaders. We're more influenced by those who have popular followings. We're more influenced by things that resonate with our flesh, but don't give us anything to feed the soul than we are actually God himself. And that is a huge problem in, in our walk with God, because what that does is it divorces us from who God says we are. When we spend more time trying to chase after blessings than actually chasing the blesser, we are being influenced by money and by power and by fame than we are the actual word of God in his truth. When we when we decide that we that we want to, you know, be influential in the world and we want to have, you know, such a great following and we want to be, 
you know, powerful and we want to be magnanimous. We are more influenced by the power of fame and by the power of, um, of, of numbers and the power of resources and the power of personnel and the power of connection um, and the power of, oh, what's the words on the tip of my tongue? Um, in, the power of influence than we are the power of God himself. And so what we discover and what we find is that for a lot of us as believers, we have to be ever so careful of who has our ear, who has our attention. What you see happening now is the fact that my dog and I are growing in our relationship. And so this is the consequence of my relationship growing. I've been working really hard over the past few days to get this girl to like me a little bit more. And so now I got to pay the consequence for that. But it's okay because that means she loves me now. She usually be sitting over there in the corner by herself, but she loves me now. So thank you for loving me. I'm, I'm doing, I hope I'm doing a better job of loving you. Um, but we find ourselves being influenced more by other things than we are God himself. And part of the reason for that is because we are telling ourselves that these are the things that God wants us to do, that these, that this is who I am in God. We are listening to people who are telling us that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the lender, not the ball, not the borrower. But we don't really talk about the fact that we are the children of God, that we are the heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, that we are disciples, that we are partakers of the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. We don't talk about those things. We don't talk about counting it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, knowing that those temptations are meant to strengthen us as believers, that in our weakness, God makes us strong. We don't talk about those because we don't want to be seen, whether it be by ourselves, whether it be by others, as weak or as um or as frail or that I'm struggling or that I'm suffering. Some of us have adopted the mantra that we don't look like what we're going through. And so as a result of not looking like what we're going through, we would decide that instead I want to be strong and I want to put on the mask and I want to put on airs as a means of trying to um, you know, look the part of being saved or look the part of being delivered or look the part of being transformed rather than actually being a part of the kingdom in whatever form or shape that takes. But part of the reason why that's so problematic for us is because of who has our ear. Who are we allowing to speak to us? Who are we allowing to influence us? Who are we allowing to impact our walk from one day to the next? We have some people who would rather read a book on seven ways to get healthy and wealthy rather than read um, the book of Jeremiah. We have some people who would rather read therapy books on how to get their mate to love them or how to become their best self and how to self-actualize rather than to actually read the book of Job. We have a lot of people who would be so who are more willing to listen to the sportscasters on TV talk about their favorite sports athletes rather than to actually dig into the scrolls and see who God has called them to be in actually in actually exercising their faith. And so on repeat, we find so many different things that have our ear, have our attention, have our affection than the word of God, than God's ear, than God's voice, than God himself. And as a result of that, we have to ask ourselves the question, who has our ear? More often than not, you can discover who has your ear by how you speak 
and what you do, what you do and what you're thinking about from one day to the next. If you are more concerned about the score of your favorite football team than you are about your inner man, so much so that you have ESPN on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, your phone gives you alerts, and you're always wondering from one day to the next whether or not your fantasy football team is going to make it, you might be more influenced by your, by your sports people than you are the, than you are God himself. If you're more concerned about your favorite actors and favorite actresses and what they're doing from one day to the next, who they're dating, who they're married to, what's the next movie they're going to be starring in, what's the one thing that they said seven years ago that are that we're now trying to cancel them about now because it's 2023 and we're a cancel culture, and oh my gosh, I can't believe that he said this, this or said that during a comedy sketch that he did, you might be more influenced by celebrity culture than you are the word of God. If you're more concerned about, you know, getting your bag and being, you know, a boss B or being, you know, a high value man and making sure that you are seen and that you are known and that everyone can knows that you that you're bad all by yourself or that you can grab any man or grab any woman that you ever wanted to. You might be more influenced by social media culture than you are the word of God. If you find yourself in a place where you are so down and out, you know, and you want to be in love so bad and you want to have, you know, a relationship so bad and you want to be, you know, booed up with somebody so bad, you might be more influenced by your romance novels, your R&B songs and your relationship books than you are the word of God. Because what you think about influences how you feel and what you what you feel influences how you act and all of those things are a matter of who has your ear Romans 12:1 says I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship what is Paul saying there when we become a part of the kingdom of God we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our will, die to our way, die to our agenda, die to our influences, die to um, our desires, die to the things that are gotten leading and guiding us. As we've been saying for the past few weeks now, when we repent, we are denouncing an allegiance and affection to all of these things. Allegiance and affection. Uh, yeah, my wife and I were talking about this the other day about having to have wanting to have a conversation one day about what it means to truly repent. Because for a lot of people, we think it's just about I don't want to sin no more. No, it's not just about that. That's part of it. But you're saying a a a, a declaration, much like the Apostles' Creed, that I am denouncing an allegiance to all of these things. We got to remember. When we are not in a relationship with God and when we're doing things that are contrary to God, we are acting as traitors to the king, traitors to the kingdom. And so as a result, we are pledging allegiance to something outside of the kingdom. We're giving our salute to something outside of the kingdom. We are bowing down to something other than the kingdom. So when we repent and believe, we are saying goodbye 
to the things that we love, the things that we want, especially the things that are outside of the will of God, and we're pledging allegiance to Jesus. But in pledging allegiance to Jesus, we are pledging allegiance to his thoughts. We're pledging allegiance to his way. We're pledging allegiance to his will. We're pledging allegiance to his agenda. Everything that Jesus is, we are pledging allegiance to. That's why some people have a difficult understanding, have a difficult to have difficulty understanding why it is that we, you know, believe certain things that Christ has said when society is saying something, something completely different. It's because we've died to society. We've said yes to Jesus, which means everything that Jesus says, we have to follow whether our flesh wants to or not, because we have crucified the flesh and we now live in the spirit in that spirit of God living in us is compelling us and leading us and ushering us into whatever he says he wants for this world, however this world is meant to be run, however this world is meant to be designed, that is what we pledge allegiance to. We have to surrender our agenda, surrender our will, surrender our way to God. And as a result, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I love when he says that it's your spiritual worship. Though the in King James says reasonable service. And I always looked at that to mean it's the least you can do. Because of what Christ did for us. Christ gave his life. The Prince of Heaven came down, gave his life, lived the perfect life we couldn't live, died the death that we deserve, rose again from the dead, and then ascended into heaven while crediting his perfect life to us. The least we can do, our reasonable service, is to dedicate our lives to him, to sacrifice our lives to him, to give him our entire being. On top of that, do not be conformed to this world. So we have to be ever so careful that we're not allowing the world to influence us in such a way to where we are turning away from God. Because while we have been cleansed of our sins and cleansed of unrighteousness and we have been credited with salvation, this world can still influence even the best of us. And so because of because we are dying to ourselves, we have to make sure that God is feeding our minds and God is feeding our hearts day after day after day after day. Because the only way that we can be transformed by the renewal of our minds is that we are, we are giving ourselves over to the renewal process because how else can we know who we are in God unless God tells us who we are in him? How else can we know what we have the power to do unless God tell us what we have the power to do? How else can we know where it is that we're supposed to be going unless God tell us where we're supposed to be going? How else can we know what it is that we're meant to be doing in the kingdom of God for his righteousness sake unless God tell us? And how can we know if we can't discern his voice? We think 
that just because our favorite preacher is saying something that sounds good to us must mean that it comes from God. But sometimes even good pastors can miss the mark. We can think that just because our favorite preacher wrote a book, that that means that that book must be the infallible truth of God. But even a book can miss the mark. Our favorite singers can sing songs and they can sing with the voices of angels. I always say this as an aside, that if Fantasia really gave it up to Jesus, what an amazing album that would be. If Kalani, if Beyonce, if John Legend, if Stokely, if if any of them did a gospel album, if any of them ever did a gospel album, what an amazing gospel album that would be. Kelly Price did one once, the song Healing. Oh my gosh. And yet, even our greatest singers, Fred Hammonds of the world, the 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 um the Toby the Toby Max of the world, um the Jeremy Camps of the world, um the Clark sisters, um Kiki Sheard, even they can miss the mark. But if we don't have the voice of God, if we can't recognize the voice of God, we will mistake something that's not of Him as if it's Him because. They're Christians. They must get it right. And so what God tells us is we got to be careful as believers. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to the believers. We as believers have to be careful that we not divorce ourselves from God so that we miss his voice because we can't hear him. Because we don't know what he sounds like. Because we don't know how he speaks. So you may ask the question, well, how does God speak? How do you know he's speaking? And this is the, <laughs> this is the surefire way to know if God is speaking to you. You got to study your word. But, that, but studying the word is not so that, okay, if I got a question, I need to go find the answer in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. Because a lot of people think that. Like, oh, so I need to read my Bible. So anytime I got a question, let me flip and see if I can find that word that's right there. That's going to be, if I'm looking for what job am I going to go to, I'm going to go to the book of Job. It's like, Right. No, that's not how this works. Not how this works. Tim Ross said it like this. The best way to know whether God is speaking to you is to know enough of your Bible, to know enough of the, of the, of the scriptures, to know that if God said this to me, this sounds like what he would say in the scriptures. If I study my Bible long enough, I can recognize how God speaks and recognize the tenets of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because remember, the Bible is the gospel from Genesis to Revelation told 50 billion different ways. And so the tenets of the gospel is being littered throughout the scriptures. God is speaking to his people throughout the scriptures. He's saying things through the scriptures. He's teaching truth throughout the scriptures. And so if God is speaking to me, then what he's saying to me will line up with what he would say in scripture. Give you an example. Talking to a client of mine 
Um, and the client said that her husband told her, God said, ooh, excuse me, God said to me, we need to get a divorce and we need to get a divorce and I need to separate myself from the kids and I need to go do this thing because it's a generational breakthrough that I've got to do. There is nothing wrong with this marriage. Wife hasn't cheated. Husband hasn't cheated as far as we could tell. I ain't trying to put no shade on the man name. Just trying to tell a story. And um, and there was nothing wrong with the marriage. The kids were perfect. Straight A's. Athletes doing great. The house is well. Bills are paid. There's nothing wrong. Everybody got jobs. <laughs> Nothing's wrong in this situation. And so he blindsides her with this and he says, God told me to divorce. God told me to separate from the kids and have nothing to do with either of y'all while I'm going on this journey. Now, where in scripture does that make sense? Because if God wanted this divorce, if God's saying divorce my wife and divorce my kids, Make that make sense in scripture where God has called a person to divorce his family, divorce himself from his children in order to go do something for him. We've seen in multiple places where God has separated bad people from each other. Sure. And he even says the only way that you should get a divorce is when someone has committed infidelity. And infidelity is not just talking about two people coming together and having sex. We're talking about spiritual infidelity, which is a whole nother conversation that we have another day. Um, but um, but those are the, that's the only grounds for divorce. So where in scripture have we found God saying to his people, I want you to divorce so you can go do something for me? If anything, he said, get your family and take them with you. Wherever you're going, Abraham and Sarah, take your family. Yes, you and your wife, you go into this land that I'm sending you into. When we saw um, um, the, um, the, 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 um, the prophet Hosea, his wife was a straight up prostitute. Now he had grounds to separate. God said, go get your wife. Go get your wife. Go get her again. Go get her again. Yes, yeah, she out there. Go get her. Go bring her home. Bring her home. Time and time again, we see God saying, no, if I whatever I put together, let no man cast asunder. And so if you're saying God said this to you, make it make sense. Because God's word, God's voice, the things that God says, the thing that God teaches is that the marriage is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In so much that Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. So make it make sense. The struggle that we go through in our marriages, as an aside, I don't know why God's telling me to go here. The struggle that we go through in marriages sometimes is such to where God is saying, did those vows, did you really mean it? Did you really mean what you said? Did you really mean for better or worse, for richer or poor, to death do us part? Did you really mean it? Because here's the, here's the tough times. And a lot of us, well, I didn't think it was going to be like this. No, none of us think it's going to be like this. And yet Christ loved his church, his bride so much that he gave his life. Tim Ross said it like this. 
if you if you if you want an outside, where is Jesus' side piece? You work for your marriage. You work for love. You work for bringing things together. You work as hard as you possibly can until you've given your last. And if at that point, as we talked about, if it's a if it's a spiritual infidelity, which we can have a whole conversation about later, then we start talking the D word. But until that time comes, you fight. You fight for your marriage because the marriage and the struggle that we go through in our marriages sometimes is a picture of the character and the nature of Christ as he gave his life for the church. So husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. That is what the scripture says. That is how we know. That is how we know whether God is speaking to us because what is Jesus saying in his word? How is God speaking in his word and does what I'm hearing line up with the word of God? Now, again, I'm of the mindset. I ain't going to question nobody who says God told them to do something. You just better be sure. Because if you said God said it and you got conviction, just like with that dude, if I ever get a chance to speak to him, I'm going to ask him, are you sure that that's what God said to you? Because if you're sure that's what God said to you, who am I? I am not God. I don't sit on no throne. I just know what he said. In his word. And what you saying ain't lining up. But if you feel like that's where he leading you, do what you do. But be careful because blasphemy is serious. It's very serious. And you gotta heart, you gotta have a hard heart to blaspheme against the Lord. As, as, Nebuch as Nebuchadnezzar found out. And so again, I'm saying all that to say, I'm about to go going for the tangent. I'm saying all that to say, that's how we know that God is speaking to us. And that's how we begin to hear the voice of God and understand the voice of God and know when God is speaking to us. Because what he's saying to us, it's not that we will find a specific scripture that will line up perfectly with what we're feeling. Like, you know, God gave me this vision and eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. Like, let's not know that we ain't talking about no fairy tale genie type stuff. But what I'm saying is that's how we know the voice of God. That's how we know he's speaking to us. And that's the ear that we should have, or rather he should have our ear. His voice should be the governing voice in our hearts. The voice in our heads should be his. And the more we grow in God and the more that we grow in him, the, 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 the more empowered we will be by the Holy Spirit to combat the noise of the world and be less influenced and impacted by the voices of the world. When you have so many people who claim to be Christians, but they are so staunch, um, staunchly in their political affiliations that they get to a point of saying that if you don't vote the way that I vote, you're not a Christian. Somebody else has your ear. Fox News has your ear. MSNBC has your ear. CNN has your ear. My wife would get on to me for watching too much CNN because she was like, dude, you're depressed all the time because you watch the news too much. She was like, I was like, dang, you're right. Let's stop watching the news. Because it was influencing my day to day. I was getting mad at people, people that ain't even did nothing to me <laughs> because of how much I was watching the news. This stuff matters. You know, again, so we got to be so careful and so mindful that when we give our lives to Christ, 
that we give him the floor and we allow him to speak to us regularly, whether it's through reading the Bible, whether it's through prayer, meditation, reading books about him, um, hearing songs about him, talking with others about him, you know, all the spiritual disciplines, which we'll get into later on in the series. Um, but making sure that we are regularly being renewed and refreshed by the living water that never runs dry and the bread of life that never goes empty. Like we, we are constantly being renewed and restored and refreshed by the power of God through the things that he says to us. That's why, again, it says in chapter in verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is that will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Discernment comes through knowing who God is. You got to go to the well. You got to go to the well. You got to keep going back to the well. You got to keep going back to the bread. I'm going to say this last thing and then I promise I'm done. I'm reading this book called Atomic Habits. And in Atomic Habits, it was talking about this experiment that was done on cats. These cats were put in a, were put in a maze. Well, no, they were put in a box. And the box, there was no, there was ways to get out of it, but those ways were incredibly difficult. All they had to do was press a button to open the door. And once the door opened, they were able to go and get the food. The first time they put these cats in, it took them like 10, 15 minutes to figure out what, what to do. They were trying to claw, scratch, find their way out of the box. But, and they would poke through holes to try to get out, but they could never get out. But as soon as they pressed that button, the door opened, they ran out and ate the food. The next day, it took, they tried it again, but they realized, oh, the button's over there. Pushed the button, ran out the door. And the more they did this, the faster they got at finding the button and walking out the door to at some point, it took them less than three seconds. I know if I press this button, it's going to open this door. I'm going to go get me something to eat. That is the nature and character of the relationship that we can have with God to where we get so used to being connected to God that it's the automatic response for us. That we constantly are running back to the well that won't run dry. We're constantly singing songs in our hearts about him that become the automatic response. We're constantly going to the word that becomes the automatic response. We're constantly going um, and having conversation with people about the Lord. And we ain't even trying to have conversation with them about the Lord. But it's just so welled up in us that it, but it, it just can't help but come out. That is the nature and the character of the relationship that we, that God wants to have with us. That even in when we're struggling and going through, we are steady going back to the word. We're steady going back to the scroll. We're steady going back because we know that through our connection to him, we have life. We have power. We have connection. We have communion. We have peace. We have joy and nothing else can satisfy it. The more that we dig ourselves into the scrolls and dig ourselves into God. The more that we abide in him, the more that he will abide in us. And that is incredibly important because in order for us to know who we are in God, we have to hear from the Lord. And so my prayer to us today is that as we are moving in our, in our walk with God, we, that we are recognizing who has our ear 
Ask yourself the question, what do I watch every day that's impacting me? What am I listening to that impacts me every day? What am I reading that's impacting me every day? Who do I talk to on a regular basis that's impacting me every day? What do I spend my time, energy, and effort working on and dealing with from one day to the next? What's occupying my time from one day to the next? I'm not saying we got to become hermits. That's, that, that's not everybody's mission. That's not everybody's lane. That's not everybody's role. So I'm not saying, let me just drop everything that I'm doing and just read the Bible for the rest of my life. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, oh, from one day to the next, what has your attention the most? What is influencing you the most? Is it God or is it anything else? Because we as the people of God, we make the declaration that when we turn away from God, um, turn away from our, from our gods, turn away from our influences, and we turn toward him, we are saying his voice, we want to be the dominant voice in our lives so that we are no longer being influenced or impacted by anything else in this world. And yes, it is much easier said than done, but with God and through God, all things are possible. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're asking, Lord God, that you strengthen us today and encourage us to get closer to you. As the believers in God, we already have salvation. That, that is done. This is done deal. So God, we're asking that you teach us how to love you more. Um, as Music Soul Child said in an R&B song, teach me how to love. Teach me how to worship you. Teach me how to delight in you. Teach me how to, you know, to worship and serve you. Teach me who I am in you. Teach us who we are in you. Lord God, help us to to stay connected to you in all the various forms that you've given us. You've given us books, you've given us audio books, you've given us Spotify, you've given us streaming, you've given us YouTube, you've given us TikTok. Lord, help us to leverage the things that you've given us so that we can stay connected to you. Lord God, we are so grateful for all the many blessings that you bestowed upon us, Lord. We're thankful that you have, you know, thought in our robbery to empower us with your Holy Spirit. And we're asking, Lord God, that you just continue to strengthen us and encourage us, Lord, that we can continue to be the children of God you call us to be. As we move forward in this series, Lord God, we're asking, Lord, that you help those who don't believe in you and don't have a walk with you and are growing curious about you or even are staunchly opposed to you, Lord God, that we say something to them, Lord, that may touch their hearts and plant the gospel seed in them so that they may grow to grow curious about you and grow to want to know you more and be willing to at least hear you out and hear the, the gospel presented to them by you and you alone. Lord God, we're so grateful and thankful for this opportunity to be empowered and strengthened by you. And I ask that you just continue to carry us from one day to the next, reminding us, Lord, that, that we can hear your voice and we can recognize your voice the closer we walk with you. And Lord God, we'll be so careful to keep your name praised, glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.